0: I will say with me, this is my Bible, I am what it says I am, I have what it says I have, I can do what it says I can do, today I'll be taught the Word of God, I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever living seed of the Word of God, and I will never be the same. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Well, one other thing, make sure next week, set your clocks ahead an hour, amen, set your clocks ahead an hour so you get up, Uh, can be here on time, hallelujah, it's not a big deal. Sometimes people think like, oh, it's a big deal, the time change, folks, it's not a big deal. Try 12 hours, that's a time change. When you switch your day and night, you know that's a, that's a time change. One hour is nothing, so it's all a mental. It's all a mental thing as far as that goes. Plan next week. Amen. All right, leadership attributes for success. I love sharing on leadership. I I, have, uh, I was talking in India again uh, on leadership. Uh, we've shared a lot of churches on leadership. I shared a course, a ten lesson course on leadership, but this is a different topic right now today. But uh, I'm blessed, I'm thankful that I've been blessed in a lot of ways. I've been blessed in the classroom, I was blessed in athletics, I've been blessed uh, in business and finance, I've been blessed in marriage, 44 years, been blessed in the ministry, 41 years. And uh, I've come to realize that in a lot of those blessings, you know, that uh, it's, it's what you make of it. Now, there's a scripture that says in 1 Timothy 3.1, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now, the bishop is an overseer or one who manages people. And I want you to see the word here, desires. It's not like that person is gifted. It's not like that person has all the talents in the world. Uh, It doesn't refer to them. It refers to the fact of having a desire If you go to the next seven verses in Timothy, then it talks about character, all right? Character is something you develop. Character is something that you grow in your life. Character comes from choices, all right? Amen? Character comes from choices, all right? So many times people think of leadership and they think of people having success and so forth, so they think, well... They've been gifted a certain way. They've had special talent and so forth. Now, here's the raw facts. That's not true. There's 10 things I'm going to talk about today and probably next week because the time will run out of us today. 10 things that require zero talent or gifts. And yet they're all key when it comes to leadership. All right. 10 things that require zero talent or gifts And yet all of these ten things require choices. And many people, sadly, you know, in life think, you know, well, I, you know, like almost like they blame God. God didn't bless me so I don't have all this ability or something. No, turn to your neighbor, turn turn to your neighbor and say, you are a talented person in Christ. We make choices, all right? So ten things that require zero talents or gifts. Number one, you ready? Write it down. Number one, being on time. People act like not a big deal. Everybody has the same amount of time. Everybody eats and sleeps, right? All right. Everybody has to learn how to manage their time or learn how to prioritize their time. During your neighbor, say you have just as much time as I do. So arriving at at even a designated meeting, arriving here is all based on a choice. That's amazing. Uh, uh, God can't use us. God cannot use you unless you are available. I don't care how much talent or gifts. You could have all the gifts of the Spirit, but God can't use you unless you're available. And I'm talking about being available with people. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 4... Amasa was was a person who was anointed and gifted as a military leader. And David arose, and this was after David had been betrayed by, he was coming back to Jerusalem and so forth, had been betrayed and so forth. But he said, I want you to assemble the men, and I want you to have them assembled in three days, and I want you to be here yourself. All right? So he went to assemble the men, but he delayed longer than the set time that David had appointed. And so David said to Abishai, Now, now Sheba, the son of, uh, is, will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants, pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. So Amasa was a tremendously, uh, he was a military leader. He had talent, right? But he was late, and he missed his opportunity. Now, there's some things, when I think about that, let me read a few things. People people hear these things, especially in America, like killing time. We kill time. We save time. We rob and get robbed of time. We lose time. And we all have the time, we all have the same time in the world, But no one is powerful enough to stop the march of time or slow it down. Benjamin Franklin said time is money. This is referring to the fact that opportunities can be lost or opportunities will cost us. Each choice you make has a cost. And delays or the choice not to take action will usually lead to a decrease in output. So he had the quote, time is money. Shakespeare said, it's better to be three hours too soon than a minute too late. He was referring to the fact that it's better waiting for the opportunity and and then to take action than to miss the chance altogether. One person said, time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once you've lost it, You'll never get it back. Someone said, if you love life, don't waste time, for time is what life is made of, (laughs) made up of. Someone says, the way we spend our time defines who we are. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? Now, we all have the same amount of time, right? How do you spend your time? What do you do with your time? One person said, change your 24 hours and you'll change your life. Change your 24 hours, you'll change your life. Someone says, if we take care of the moments, the years will take care of themselves. That's true. Someone said, we must use time wisely and forever realize that the time is always right to do the right thing. Time is always right to do the right thing. It's always ripe to do the right thing. Nelson Mandela said that. This is one Irv would quote. He said, "Yesterday's the past, tomorrow's the future, but today is a gift. That's why we call it the present." <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Someone said, "How do you spell time?" People use this with parenting and so forth through the kids. How do you spell time? How do you spell love? It's spelled time. T-I-M-E. If you're chronically late for something, it says you're telling people you're not important to me. If you're chronically late, you're telling somebody you're not important. If you're chronically late, it's you're telling somebody I don't value you. Time is huge, folks. How you spend it, how you invest it, how you uh, uh, utilize what you have. It's a huge thing. And everybody's got the same amount. But how much you want to use it for God's glory is up to you. Amen? Ephesians says this. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Look carefully how you walk. Look carefully how you live. All right? Live purposely. Worthily accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. So, one of the first things that talks about leadership then, leadership uh, attributes, is, is being on time. And people can think, you know, that's just not a big deal and so forth, but it is a big deal. It's how how it shows what you value in life by what you do. There was a time years ago, I was mowing the yard. I was mowing the yard in the house we lived in at the time. And God spoke to me very clear and he said, I don't want you to take any trip outside the United States. I don't want you to travel. I want you to spend time with your kids. It's their last season. They're in junior high, so forth. It's their last season to be home. I'm mowing my lawnmower. I'm stopped in the middle of my lawn. It's one of these divine moments. I went and told Jeannie. Why was that important? Why was that important to just listen to the Lord? To spend time with the kids. They're at home. Of course, they're at formidable years. Angela, of course, had been sick. But I had had made some trips. I had been to South America. I had been to different things and traveled different places. It was like the Lord is saying, No, I want you to stay home right now, this season. This is a season I want you to be home. Time. You know, I've never regretted that. I've never regretted being there, my kids every day, so forth. Other Could have gone here, could have gone there, whatever. No, I've never regretted listening to the voice of the Lord and being home. Because He asked me to be home. Now, you could have said, well, I'm just going to obey God and keep doing this. You know, some people are like, I'm going to rebuke that. Boy, that couldn't have been the Lord. But your family is a pretty important ministry. I'd call it putting it right at the top. (laughs) You know, your time with your spouse, but your time with your kids. Now my kids now are growing up and they have their own families. But the time you, you, you give to people says something about how you value people. So I never wanted my children to think that I valued God more than them. You don't want to do that. You listen to me? You know, you, so you don't want to do that. Everybody, everybody has things that want to take your time. Some people say, you know, well, I'm just a good worker. I'm going to work. I'm going to make money. And, so, and that's good. Be a good worker. Make money. But you still have to spend time with your family. You still have to spend time with your spouse or your children. If you're married, I'm talking about, amen? If you're not married, do whatever you want that way. But still make time for Jesus, Amen. I mean, people sometimes act like it's, you know, it's hard, it's hard to get to service different times, kids, and we had children. But you know what we did? We planned, we planned for success. So we're pioneering a church, which which was unique for the Brookings region, a non-denominational church. We're pioneering a church. Everybody's watching us. I would we would get up as a family, we plan the night before what we're wearing. How about that? plan the night before what we're wearing, so we get up in the morning. Of course, we'd have to help Angela with all the different things like that. We'd be out of the house before 8 o'clock because we're setting up equipment. We planned for success. And many people wondered, many people to this day wondered, how did this church make it? How did this church happen? The bank president would look at me and say, how, how do you do all these things? Utilizing time. Planning for success, being on time. Most most people, if they went to the doctor, would say, "Well, I better I better get there because because of being on time." You would value their time, so you'd be on time. Correct? I was at a doctor's office that uh, this guy was retired military specialist, a dermatologist who falls, who is now retired. But I'd never been to such an efficient office in my life, and so the first time I was there, because of just I'd been checked over for everything for cancer and so forth. But the very first time I'm there, I go into the room and they said, "Yeah, just put on this, put on this uh, robe and so forth." So first of all, I came to the office on time, early. Say early. early. Actually, on time is early. Did you know that? Yeah. On time is early. On time isn't five minutes late. On time is early. Yeah. Amen. So I was there early. I sat down. I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe you have to wait a half hour or whatever. Dave, you're ready. I said, oh, okay. So I got up. I went in. I'm taking off my shirt, my pants, and so forth. In walks the doctor and the nurse. You ready? I will be. Just a second. Put on the thing. He said. He said, you know what? He says, I've learned to utilize every bit of my time. And he said, in this office, with every doctor in this office, and to this day in that office, nobody waits. You better be there on time or you're getting skipped over. But boom, it happened just like that. You know, he utilized things and he valued time. How you value time is important. Guy walked onto the field of the Green Bay Packers. You know, he was an All-American, drafted high and so forth. His name was Paul Horning. He thought... I'm a big I'm a big guy, I know what I'm doing. So walked on the field. And he walked the practice was at four and he walked on the field at four. And the coach said, You're late and punished him. He thought I'm not late. And he says, No, my time is when the practice you start fifteen minutes early. And he learned real quick that his little pretty boy face didn't cut it. Or he wasn't going to play. And he just told him, You won't play here unless you do things on time. Many opportunities are missed because of tardiness. Many opportunities, folks. When Jeannie and I go places, you know, we, you'll always find us up front like this. And why is that? Because we plan for it. I don't want to sit in the back of the room. I don't want to watch the back of a hundred other heads. I don't want to watch the back of somebody else fidgeting around doing stuff. We plan for success. Now listen, we've been very successful. Sometimes be like, oh, it's kind of an accident. Well, they just got annoyed. Oh, God just answers their person. Well, you plan for it. You'd be on time. Isn't that right? That's the way, that's the way, actually that's the way the whole world works with the clock. You know, sometimes spirit-filled Christians say, you know, we're just going to be led by the Spirit and that just means probably nothing will happen. Utilize the time you have. Especially, let me just say this, as you're younger, utilize it even more so. Because youth, youth is a pretty priceless thing. Amen? So being on time, you've got to understand this, is right at the top of leadership. It's right at the top of things you do for Jesus. Right at the top of your family. Amen? People say, well, I have a hard time getting someplace. Well, wouldn't you know, your phone's got an alarm in it that helps you manage time. Or there's alarm clocks that wake you up. Hello? Amen? And if it doesn't wake you up, then set it on an obnoxious tone. It'll wake you up, you know. If you've hit the snooze button too much, then set it ten feet from you so you've got to get out of bed. Everybody has to work with this, folks. See, sometimes people say, okay, no, I'm, I'm not a morning person. Well, I'm not a night person. I don't do this. That. No, no, everybody, everybody does things based on priorities, right? When ESPN come to town and so forth, people spent the whole night outside making it a priority so that they would be in the pit up front in front of the ESPN booth, right? Well, some of those same people struggle to get to class, but this was a priority, ESPN coming to town, this is a priority, so we're going to be up all night, of course, people brought out coffee, even the University of gave get people coffee and treats and so forth like that, so the next morning, there they are. So what do you consider a priority? How do you look at things? Follow what I'm saying? See, so many things, we make a big deal. Even daylight savings time. People, that's a big deal. We're changing an hour. Folks, it's not a big deal. Trust me. If your life is hinged so much on one hour, you've got an issue. You have to deal with it. You have to deal with your time. You have to deal with your mentality of life. Folks, just think of this. Now, think of being, boom, one day here, one day, 12 hours difference. What are you going to do? There's no time to say, oh, we have to adjust, we've got to adjust. No, there's no time for adjustments. You just do something. You make a choice. So that doesn't come down to talent. It doesn't come down to gifting. Success doesn't come down to any of that. It just comes down to a choice. And someone comes over, are you ready to go to the meeting? Are you ready or not ready? It's a choice. Right? You make a choice. Yes, we are. Yes, we're ready. Yes, we believe God will move. Choices. Some of you have adjusted on many time frames and so forth. But all this in life, folks, people make big things out of stuff that should not be. Understand that. We're living in a place here. We live in a ministry right now. That is debt-free, that has been very, very blessed, and so forth, it is known around this country in many, many circles, even at Paul Tucker's funeral and so forth, all the people that know us or heard about us because of Paul. But a lot of that doesn't come down to any doesn't come down to talent or gifts or anything. It comes down to time. Being on time. Amen? Amen? Number two. Number two. Leadership attributes, things that don't require talent and so forth. Number two is work ethic. The principle that hard work is intrinsically virtuous or worthy of reward. Work ethic. How hard you work. And we love to think that, boy, boy, we're really hard workers. Well, some of you from other countries understand this. I'll show you hard workers people that are up before it's daylight and they're walking two miles and they're getting a pitcher of water, and they're walking two miles, and then they're going to get stuff at a market, and then they cook, and then they work all day, and they do different things, and when night comes, they're still cooking and so forth, when it's dark outside, and about all they've had is the time for a tea break. We live live in total comfort in, in America. Let's put it in America. So when you think of work ethic and we think of success and attributes of success, the word hard work <laughs> means you're, you're giving effort. You're working to succeed. Doesn't require talent. Doesn't require anything other than I'll do the job. I'll do the job that you've asked me to do. And if I do the job, yes, it's worthy of a reward. Many, many people now in our society, in our country now want a check with no work. So the thing of work ethic is gone. We have candidates, we have candidates that want to talk the socialistic thing as if this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it hasn't worked in any planet, any country in the planet. It hasn't worked anywhere. Work ethic is something doesn't require talent. Just so There's a job, I'll go do the job. I'll go make the effort. I'll, I'll, I'll do that as unto the Lord. Now, here's the scripture. Here's the scripture. Colossians 3, 22 and following. So, so it talks about, says slaves, but let's say employees. Do your work. Obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not, not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, this is a whole different concept of how a Christian looks at things. Okay, so now we're a Christian, but we're in the world. And it says that we should do our work as we're honoring the Lord, as unto the Lord, not just because people are watching us, but we're doing it as unto the Lord. So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Now, so think about this. So you're an employee or maybe a manager or maybe you own the business or whatever. But having this work ethic that I'm going to do the best that I can do to be a blessing unto the Lord, which consequently I'd be a blessing to the company or to whoever I'm working for, because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And everything, whatever you do. You know, if I'm going to shovel a sidewalk, I want it clean. If I'm going to mow the lawn, I want it to look nice. I don't want it to look trashy. I don't want it to look dumpy. I want, I want it to look well. If whatever I'm doing, if I, if I have the ability to do it, I'm going to do it at the best of my ability. Amen? For the glory of God. That's work ethic. If I'm going to show up at a job, I don't want to just get there in time and click. I remember one time one what a job that I had years ago in Sioux Falls and I was in customer service, big company, sporting goods company and so forth. So I was relating to people every day, but there was, there was bad weather and climate weather in Sioux Falls. And I had to drive from one side of town to the other side of town. So I was kind of on the west of Minnesota Avenue and the business was on the east side of town. So it took me a while to get over there and so forth. And and I did a clock. You punched. And so it came in and I punched in and I was one minute late. And the lady who was in charge of all this said, well, okay, doc, late. Okay, that's fine. But you're doc 15 minutes. One minute late meant you're doc 15 minutes. I said, now I was, you know, out of college and so forth. But, you know, I'm learning. So 15 minutes? What do you mean? I'm one minute late. She said, yeah, you're late. And I said, but the roads were icy, slippery, and so forth. I said, she said, yes, I know. I know that. You should have planned ahead. You know, I learned a lot from that lesson. I was so irritated. I was so upset with this lady. I didn't feel real christian at the time. And I was a Christian. But I fumed about the thing and then it's like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, she's right. You should have planned ahead. You should think about this beforehand. Folks, lots, a lot of people walk outside, whoa, look at the weather. What? How about knowing the night before what the weather is? You know what I mean? We have a grandson. We have a grandson. We have different grandkids. One of the grandsons, he knows that the night ahead what it is. He's got his stuff ready. We have another grandson that. No, it's clueless. He could walk outside in shorts and it's 10 below. Like, oh, I probably better put on clothes, you know. And <laughs> planning ahead. Novel idea, right? I mean, like we, had, we were supposed to be in Duluth, which is like a six-hour drive. So what did we do? We had to, I looked and said, well, what is the weather? I mean, I'm not going to drive the whole way in a snowstorm. And I'm not going to drive on icy roads. I'm going to take 10 hours. You know, I, I called Paul's wife. We visited. Then I thought roads are good. All right, great. Plan ahead, right? So work ethic is one of those things that you 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 decide you're going to do something. Will you be rewarded? The answer is yes. Will people see what you're doing? Yes, they will. Will it lead probably to promotion? Yes, it will. But none of that involves your talent. It just involves your work ethic. Amen. You know, time, your work ethic. Okay, number three, effort. Effort is a vigorous or determined attempt. Effort. You know, you ever hear the people say, boy, they gave 110%. Do you know there's no such thing as 110%? <laughs> there's no such thing as 110% effort. The only, the only thing you can give is 100%. It's not like you have another gear. 110%. No, it's 100%. That's your effort, right? And so so it's, it's, it's a vigorous, you're putting effort, you're, it's a vigorous, uh, determined attempt to do whatever you're doing for the glory of God, your effort. I saw people that were tremendously talented in sports. I had an opportunity to see a lot of people, know a lot of people. Because of my brothers, I knew people in big-time sports also. I came to South Dakota State, smaller school, but saw athletes and in the Big Eight at that time, the Big Ten. I saw people with tremendous athletic ability. I was around people with tremendous athletic ability. And yet some of those people never played because they really didn't want to put forth the effort. They didn't want to work hard to, you know, be determined. They kind of thought, you know, I've got ability, you know, come on now. Like I, give me a position. And the positions weren't just handed out. You had to work for the position. (laughs) So a lot of things, and folks, I played in front of a lot of people, not because I had more talent, but because of my effort. We won a lot of games, not because we were more talented, but because of our effort. In other words, in other words, We were in great shape, so we ran people to death, you know. People could hang around for three quarters and so forth. By the fourth quarter, they're starting to drag, and you're still like, you know, effort. It says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, do your best. Do your best. Turn to your neighbor and say, do your best. See, lots of times, I think we get tricked into thinking, I'm doing my best. Come on, I'm doing my best. And, of course, it's just a big lie. No, you're not. Sometimes, and now listen, to, to all these things come down to facing it, taking an assessment of yourself. When I meet with the Lord every morning, early in the morning, I meet with the Lord for a period of time. I don't want to rush it. But I, when I meet with the Lord, there's a lot of times He's doing an assessment. The Holy Spirit's doing an assessment in my life. Things that I realize, you know, I could, I could give a better effort. We think sometimes, because we compare ourselves with others, we think, oh, well, I'm doing a lot more than they are, and maybe you are. But we're not living a life of comparison. We're doing our, doing our lives, living our lives as unto the Lord, right? For what the Lord would say. What does the Lord say? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. So so understand you're presenting yourself to God and you're looking for God's approval, not man's approval. I always loved Paul, Paul Tucker, that I'd known Paul for many years, Jeannie and I did, his wife Juanita, his kids. And and, um, I appreciated Paul's effort. He would travel hundreds of miles to meet with a little group of people in some living room that most people... Wouldn't, wouldn't even bother to call. And yet he'd do that. Amen. There was a lady who came out of the motel room and she said she was older lady. Little, we're older. She's older. And she said, Paul was there all the time. I lost my husband 12 years ago. Paul was there all the time to stand with us. And I'm thinking, you know, that's in Michigan where she lived. What did he do? He had Effort. Effort. He did his best, and he wasn't looking for man's approval. None of, none of this had to do with men. And we always say we have no ladders to climb here. There's no way to get promoted in this ministry like up. Like, people look, I wasn't going to become a district official, or this or that. No, there's no ladders here. So you do your best. You're looking for God's approval for your life. Amen? So effort doesn't regard, doesn't, doesn't, it's not a question of talent. It's a question of your determination. Okay, number four. We'll stop at number four. But number four is body language. Body language is the nonverbal communication in which physical behaviors, as opposed to words, are used to express or convey the information. Such as such behavior includes facial expressions, body posture, gestures, eye movement, touch, the use of space. So, body language. You ever you ever see somebody? You tell them. Well, if you ever had your kids, you tell them something, they go you know or they roll their eyes or whatever well body language okay now now body language requires no talent no talent whatsoever body language is your response to a set of circumstances it's your response to things in your life and how and how are what are you going to tell your body to do in response Body language is always important in the workplace. People will look at people, what is their body language like, you know? Do they care about being here or not, you know? I mean, (laughs) you know, we were at a place, we were at a restaurant, and this was farther south. And and, uh, so I'm ordering a fast food restaurant, fast food restaurant. And so we were with some kids and so forth, and so we ordered, not our kids, but other kids too and so forth, ordering some food and so forth, and like, Person said, Yeah. Okay. You want one of those? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hit the machine. What else? Well, first of all, it says, Well, I want to do this one, do this. One. Oh, it's like it just went over the head. <laughs> just a minute. <sighs> kind of like, I'm doing you a service to get you some food here, buddy. So by the time that we finally got our order, it's like, Okay. They walked back four feet, looked at some stuff. And we're, we're, you know, fast food. We're kind of in a hurry. In a hurry here. But everything the body language said is, I don't care. I don't care about a job. I don't care about this world. I don't care about you. So if you get some food, be thankful you just got it, you know. Well, finally, we got a little sack in the counter. And I thought, how can this be? How can you run a business this way? Now, folks, people want to run a business. Why do you run a business? You run a business to make money. Hello? You don't run the business for the employees. Well, the employees are there to make money for the business. This is the world, actually, right? (laughs) Actually, folks, this is how things really do work. It isn't like, everybody show up, we'll all give you the same paycheck, and it'll be good. No, it won't last. It won't last. None of it will be good. Healthcare won't be good. None of it will be good. Nothing will happen. Talk to the people we talk to in other places, and you realize, whoa, baby. This, is what we're doing here, work ethic, body language, all, it's very important Well, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6.20, we've got to close here. You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. A big part is just say, hey, show up and act like you're alive. Amen? Yeah. Romans 12.1, it says you offer your body as a living sacrifice. The, your body, Romans 12.1, should be pleasing to the Lord, pleasing to God. So our spiritual actions, or any actions, should ultimately be pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. Our body language. Just just how are we looking at life here? 1 Thessalonians 4 says, uh, uh, you should be sanctified, avoid sexual immorality. But it says, each of you, look at this, verse 4, each of you should learn how to control his own body. Of course, in holiness and honor and all that. We're not like the heathen. But you should learn how to control yourself. Control your emotions. Control your actions. Control what you can do. Things that take, folks, to absolutely zero talent. takes zero talent, but all of a sudden you're doing something, and you're working and so forth, and people think, wow, I'm getting a lot done here. Yeah, you just work. <laughs> you're successful just by doing things, Right? Your life speaks something to other people, incidentally, your body language tells people that you 're telling them you 're important to me. We go to a lot of places overseas now sadly we 've had people tell us speakers come from America, you know, and they they come in and they're they 're this way and so forth, and they preach and so forth, and they get catered to and stuff and Jeannie and i aren 't that way, so we 're talking to kids and we 're talking to people we're Anybody, villagers, anybody, people are like, well, no one else does this, but Jesus did this, right? Right? Jesus cares about people. So your body language says something. You're important. You're important. Your life is important. Your what's going on in your life is important. Isn't that right? The first person I prayed to coming out of when I. That one village place when it was just so supernatural, but the very first person was a villager with a tumor in his neck. You know, his clothes were ragged and so forth. The tumor was bloody. He wasn't a pastor. But this angel that came, that was the very first person the angel pointed out to me. This person needs prayer for cancer with a tumor in his neck. God cares about people. Your body language is important. Lots of times people are trying to meet the people that are really important. You know, you can be at events, you know, and you can go to STSU and they're serving events. The prominent people are there and so forth. Well, I think the server is important. How do you treat the server? A lot of people say, oh, yeah, thanks, thanks. Get away from me. Away. We're talking important. You can't listen over here. Well, every person is important. The server, those helping, those working. Walked out of a motel room or so forth, someone's cleaning. Thank you. Thank you. Who are you? I mean, you notice me? Yeah. Your body language is important. It requires no talent, none whatsoever. But it brings you success. How you treat people, how you look at people, is very, very important. So, I don't have time for these others, but ten things require zero talent. Being on time, your work ethic, your effort, your body language. These are things that are all critical in us. How we grow in the kingdom and are used in the kingdom to affect this world for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Very, very important. So, let's lift our hands here a second. What we're doing is we're volunteering. I should tell you that, I guess. <clears throat> You're lifting your hands, volunteer to say, Lord, use me for your glory. Use me for your glory. You're just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be that person you can count on. I'm going to be available. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be on time. I'm going I'm to work unto you, Lord God. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to show it in every, every respect of my life, Lord Jesus. That I love you and I honor you and because of that I love people and I honor them. And Lord, we thank you that you're causing us all to rise higher in this world. I thank you for promotions for people here. I do thank you for pay increases. I thank you for people in this church being the best workers at their jobs. That people see it, Lord God, that they're the best workers. That they want to hire more Christians. And Father, I just thank you for your blessing on this congregation here right now. People even listening right now via Facebook. I thank you for your supernatural blessing. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord. We're just going to do this. We're going to live this way unto you for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right. All right, come on back tonight. Invite a friend, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. It's a great day. Celebrated the Lord's table. Hallelujah. Good things are happening this week. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605 692-4616